today I want to start a new series. Now, what better way to start a brand new year off than with doomsday? The end of the world, right? Well, that's where I'm going to go today because we need to be mindful that life as we know it, one day is going to end. This isn't going to go on forever and ever and ever. One of the original 12 disciples, Peter, told us about it, is inspired by the Holy Spirit in a second letter that's in the New Testament section of your Bible that bears his name, 2 Peter 3.10. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, shares this with us. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. What's going to happen is going to come very suddenly upon the earth. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Mark it down, the end of the world is coming. Life as we know it will not go on forever. Scripture says that one day that only God knows, he's going to set into motion a series of events that will climax in the end of life as we know it now. Now, why should we take time to study this? One of the reasons is we need to remind ourselves to live this life for the life to come. This isn't it. This is a drop in the bucket. This is a blink of the eye in comparison to eternity and eternal life that one day we are going to experience. So we need to live our lives in preparation for eternity and understanding that what we are experiencing now is not going to go on forever. Second, we need to take advantage as believers of the opportunity that current day culture is presenting us. Because current day culture is enamored with this idea of the end of the world. We see it in books written. We see it in TV shows. We see it in movies over and over again, talking about the end of the world. For example, the History Channel just did 10 shows. They dedicated 10 shows to a study called 10 Ways the World Will End. In this, the greatest scientific minds on planet Earth all got together to tell us 10 different ways they see that life can become extinct, extinct on planet Earth, that life can be over for every one of us. Now, I'm going to share those 10 things today, and I'm only going to do it to demonstrate as an introduction to this series. Now, mind you, it's an introduction to the series. So today, I'm going to share a lot of information. I'm going to really have to share it rapidly. I might even have to skip some of it. But I want to get you thinking the way the world thinks about the end of the world so that we can compare it to what God's word actually says about the end of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, I want to put a disclaimer right up in the front that the facts, as I talk about scientific fact during this presentation today, I'm talking about facts as were revealed in the program by the scientists that were involved in this program. They don't necessarily resent biblical truth. Understand that? So when I start talking about things, don't put yourself, up. Oh, that's it, he's gone over the edge, pastor's gone over the edge, we've lost them now. I'm going to present what happened in this program. Now, trust me, in, as I share all this with you, there's a method to my madness that will reveal itself down the road, okay? So don't leave saying, what was that about today? Understand that what we're going to look at is we're going to look at what does the world, the world is enamored. 
The world is interested in this idea of the end of the world. And these guys say, now here's 10 ways it can happen. All right, so I got to go fast. You ready to go? All right, here we go. Number one, a killer asteroid. Scientists say that 100 tons of space debris invade our atmosphere every single day. 100 tons. But the vast majority of it burns up going through the ozone layer in our atmosphere before it ever can impact Earth. They do say that 65 million years ago, a giant asteroid hit the Earth, and that's what brought into extinction the dinosaurs on Earth. It was a massive asteroid strike. Now, in their presentation, they talk about an asteroid seven miles big hitting the earth and what that would do to the earth. Eleven seconds after the impact of the asteroid, the asteroid disperses thermal radiation shockwaves in all directions traveling at 670 million miles per hour at twice the temperature of the sun. And when that thing hits... Thermal action just spreads rapidly in the explosion. People 200 miles away don't even have a chance to run. They will be incinerated wherever they're standing when this thing hits. Cities 600 miles away will be hit by the massive shockwaves. Cities 1,500 miles away will be showered with this debris that will be exploding through the atmosphere as a result of the impact. Shockwaves will, will hit cities at 870 miles per hour, almost three times the speed of the fastest tornado ever recorded on planet Earth. will cause cascading earthquakes. It'll shift the tectonic plates all over the Earth, and one earthquake and another, massive earthquakes, will break out. Tsunamis, because of all the Earth disturbances, will crash all over the world, Tsunamis of 100 feet high will hit all the coastal areas. By the way, according to this program, here, here in South Florida, we're goners. We're done. Don't even worry about it. We're gone immediately because of the tsunamis that are going to hit. One week after the impact, a quarter of the world's population is dead. But the devastation is far, far, far from over. The upper atmosphere, because of the, of the explosion, throwing this, this, these heated projectiles into the atmosphere will become superheated and will rain down debris all over the planet as it drifts through the atmosphere, destroying crops, poisoning the fresh water supply, darkening out the sun, causing the temperatures to plummet, almost sending the earth back into an ice age. As food supplies are short and water is short, people will begin to war against each other just for the opportunity to survive. An asteroid strike can doom us all, and it may be coming your way. The second is a black hole. Now, black holes are out in outer space, and they're believed to be called when a, or caused when a, when a star uh, implodes on itself and cascades and turns inside out on itself. There are a hundred million black holes in our galaxy alone, each with vicious gravitational forces that pull everything in their past into this black vortex. Anything that crosses its outer zone, known as the event horizon, 
will never be seen again. Even light can't escape a black hole. In this scenario, such a black hole, one of these millions that are in our galaxy, gets too close to planet Earth. Planet Earth gets sucked over the event horizon into the black hole. As the Earth passes the event horizon, it is sucked deeper and deeper into the blackness of this vortex towards the singularity, which is the power source inside the black hole. As the Earth moves closer and closer to the singularity, a process known as spaghettification begins. And spaghettification is this, that as the Earth or anything else gets closer to the source of this gravitational pool, that side, for example, of the Earth is going to have a stronger pool than the other side. So what under this scenario happens is that the Earth is literally stretched. And as it's stretched, it also flattens out in the middle, and the gravitational pull becomes so strong that it literally makes strands of spaghetti out of the Earth and everything in it. It just tears it literally to pieces until the Earth is nothing more than particles that are absorbed into the black hole. Now, before you have a nightmare about a black hole tonight... <laughs> Let me advise you that even scientists say the odds of this actually happening are like one in a trillion. But there is a chance. A rogue planet is another theory. There's so many different gravitational pools between planets and suns and black holes and that going on through the universe that it is possible that a planet gets knocked out of its orbit in its own solar system. In fact, there may be twice as many rogue planets wandering between the stars of the Milky Way as there are actual stars in the Milky Way. When you go out and you see all the stars in the sky at night, those are the stars of the Milky Way galaxy. Well, it's estimated by scientists that there are more rogue planets floating around out there than there are stars maybe twice as many. And in this scenario, one of those planets, kind of a Saturn kind of planet with, with rings around it, and the rings are not gases, but the rings are rocks and, and huge formations of ice breaks free and comes 74,000 miles per hour towards the Earth. There are hundreds of billions of these rogue planets in the galaxy. As this rogue planet gets closer to the Earth, its gravitational pull makes the earth shake violently, causing massive earthquakes, once again, all around the globe and with all the cascading consequences of those earthquakes. As the rogue planet gets even closer, its gravitational pull creates massive windstorms that start circulating among the earth at, uh, at 770 miles per hour. Better keep your shutters up in preparation for this one. 23 minutes, though, before the impact of the planet, all life on Earth is already dead. It's already extinct. Because the gravitational pull of this larger planet, this rogue planet, is so great that it sucks all the oxygen on planet Earth into its gravitational pull. And so those who don't die as a result of the windstorms and the result as the massive earthquakes and the fires and everything that happened because of that, 
will be asphyxiated before the planets even collide. In fact, they'll never physically collide. Because as the Earth approaches the stronger gravitational pull of the rogue planet, much like the spaghettification of a black hole, the Earth will continue to explode and erupt and literally just implode and burst and become part of the ring of debris around the rogue planet. So keep your eyes on the stars. A solar storm. This one, I think, actually has the most potential. Scientists under this this scenario, suddenly see a huge explosion on the sun called a coronal mass ejection. This actually happens. Ripping through space over one million miles an hour. From the time that it is spit out from the sun, it would take approximately 17 hours to reach the earth. In 1959, The Carrington event. Carrington was an astronomer living in in, in that part of time in the 1800s in the United States. Actually recorded an event, a solar surge, a solar storm. And at that time, it wiped out the first human electrical system, the telegraph system. It took months and months to repair the telegraph system. But that really didn't disrupt society much and culture much. Because at the time, the telegraph system was the only electrical system in existence on the planet. And the population of the planet in 1859 was only 1.3 billion people. But imagine if a solar storm hit today. Scientists believe that solar pulses strike the earth approximately once every 100 years. Now, the last recorded one was 1859. So scientists say we are long overdue for another solar strike, another solar storm. If that indeed happens, just think of the devastation it's going to bring to our lives. One minute after this strike, electrical appliances and apparatuses will become massively overheated and explode, causing massive fires all over the world simultaneously. Your toaster, your microwave oven, your your water heater, everything electrical in your house now has a sudden surge and explodes into a fire in your home. Every office that has a copier machine, computers, they explode because of the sudden surge. Fire is going on all over the world, every city, every rural community. The fire departments are overwhelmed. They cannot possibly handle the extensive fires that are going to happen. The electrical grids will immediately be destroyed. These massive electrical grids immediately fried. Everything and anything that uses electrical power will be rendered 100% useless. Think about that. Better hope you're not in an airplane when this happens. Because the GPS system on the airplane goes, bye-bye. Traffic control systems all over the world go, bye-bye. They're all fried. Better carry along some extra cash. Do you realize that only that cash represents only 10%? Cold cash represents 10% of the financial resources on planet Earth that we conduct business with and live by and buy the things we need to survive with. Everything else is with a credit card, 
a debit card. Go to the ATM thing. Punch in your little code and get out the money you need. Not anymore. Bye-bye. Fresh water pumps that bring water and clean water into your homes that you use to flush your toilet for sanitations. All that is rendered useless. Communications around the world are blocked out. The cell phone that you've learned to depend on, don't even waste your time. Once the batteries are gone, it's gone. If it survived the solar flare itself. Everything, anything that depends on electricity is done. Just three weeks after the solar uh, hit, modern day life will cease to exist. Survival will become the obsession of people all around the planet just to have food, just to have some fresh water. Warring groups will war against others. Civil war will break out. And if, if the consequences and the aftermath of the solar storm doesn't get us, we'll get each other, scientists say. The solar storm will wipe us out. Nuclear war. Well, we all know the capacity of nuclear war. Do you realize there's 15,000 nuclear warheads in the world today? 24 hours, seven days a week, 1,800 of them are already sitting on missiles that are on ready alert that can be launched in a second's notice with a push of a button. Some missiles have multiple warheads on them. Each of those warheads, 50 times more powerful than the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima in 1945. A first strike in an all-out nuclear war would feature nuclear, 600 nuclear missiles crossing the atmosphere at their pre-designed targets. One exploding 500 kiloton nuclear warhead would create a fireball that would extend out for more than one mile, and inside the fireball, the temperatures would reach more than 10 million degrees. Anyone in that mile radius incinerated an instant don't even have a time to understand what happened. Even people five and a half miles from ground zero will be impacted with third degree burns all over their body. People even a dozen miles away who may, temp who may be looking in the direction of the blast will be temporarily blinded. But even though the temporary blindness will only last a few minutes, they won't have time to recover their sights because shockwaves, radioactive shockwaves from the, the nuclear explosion will be traveling 500 miles an hour across the face of the earth, instantly killing everything in its path, destroying buildings, literally ripping human bodies apart. Radioactive dust is spread out through the atmosphere and spreads over all the world. So much fallout of masses that it blocks out the intensity of the sun, plunging the world into the next ice age, destroying remaining crops while poisoning water. Those who have been proactive and are, that have created deep bunkers, number one, if there is a chance to get to those bunkers, they have enough notification that they can even get there, they can survive for five more years. But even when they come out of those bunkers, they're coming out to a devastated, radioactive, polluted landscape to try to eke out some final days of survivor. Nuclear war, we all know the dangers of that. A gamma ray burst. Every week, 
NASA detects deadly beams of laser energy coming from outer space that are called gamma ray bursts. They happen when two stars collide with each other. And when they collide, their energy sources, boom, sends out these gamma ray bursts. A gamma ray burst is the most colossal explosion in the universe, second only, scientists say, to creation itself during the Big Bang. Remember the disclaimer. Creates a blast so bright that it can outshine the light of a billion other stars in other galaxies. In fact, if someone happens to be looking in the direction that the gamma ray burst hits the Earth, they will be instantly and permanently blinded. In the few milliseconds a gamma ray burst like this takes, it will emit more energy than our own sun has emitted throughout the entire history of the universe. The deadly radiation that will ensue as this, this gamma ray burst hits one entire side of, of the planet will immediately cook the insides of every human being if it doesn't turn them into the Incredible Hulk. That's a joke, you'll get that later. A slow, agonizing death. But even those on the non-impact side of the earth will initially, who are survivors, will face a slower death as ultraviolet radiation and starvation threaten to send them into extinction. See, because when the gamma ray burst hits the ozone layer, it'll destroy our ozone layer. layer. And we will be exposed to the full fury of the sun's ultraviolet rays that right now the ozone layer protects us from. Crops will be burned up. Animals will immediately perish. People will have to try to live in caves and indoors. And, and to go out, they'll have to be completely clothed and covered from the intensity of the ultraviolet light. The world will be cast into chaos and starvation. And few, if any, will survive hyper-eruption. Yet another scenario, scientists said, this is how, this is what could happen. And in this particular scenario, they use an eruption at Old Faithful in, in, in Yellowstone National Park right here in the United States. But they say for, the pressure has been building up within the shell of the earth for over centuries of time and ultimately paving away for this hyper-eruption, a hundred billion times more powerful than the 1980 St. Helens eruption that you might remember. It would look like a laser beam, a molten rock being shot up into the atmosphere. It creates seismic shockwaves like nothing the earth has ever experienced. It'd be like blowing up the entire nuclear arsenal of the earth at one time, only 50 times stronger than that. Traveling at 18,000 miles an hour, the shockwaves hits cities 260 miles away in less than or one minute. The eruption will create earthquake, the equivalent of an 11 on the seismic meter. A mushroom cloud of smoke and debris reaches 40 to 50 feet in the atmosphere. If an airplane happens to be flying at a cruising altitude of 30,000 feet, it will be obliviated like a shotgun blast. 37 tons of volcanic debris heated up to more than 3,000 degrees is flying through space 200 miles up in all directions. As at that debris, that molten, firing rock debris lands in cities 
all over the, the impact area, hundreds of miles of out from the impact areas. It creates massive fires again. The debris fills the ox, oxygen, fills the atmosphere with sulfuric acid. That becomes sulfuric acid rain that rains down, destroying animal life and destroying crop life and polluting the fresh water supply of Earth. So much debris will fill the atmosphere that it will block out most of the sun's rays, destroying 90% of all vegetation on the planet. Hyperexplosion and its consequences, unbelievable. Well, I can go on and on and on, and many of the consequences are similar to each one of these devastating experiences. The Earth knocked out of its orbit. Maybe the Earth becomes the rogue planet, knocked out of its gravitational pull. In the scenario that they use, the Earth is knocked out of its gravitational pull towards the sun. And you can imagine what happens as we get closer and closer to the sun. Alien invasion. I think Hollywood's covered that one, right? We've all seen numerous scenarios for alien invasion, and they're creating more every single day. A deep sea disaster. Either massive earthquakes underwater or, or volcanic action underwater, again, causing massive tsunamis and creating other earthquakes around the world. Again, many of these things are, are very redundant in the cascading consequences. But even science says that the end of the world may indeed come. And they say it could come through any one of those venues. I would have added a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic to that, and I'm surprised they didn't. Disease is possible. Any one of those. But here's what they might and they don't consider that maybe it's not any one of those. Maybe, in fact, it'll be a conglomeration of those things. Well, we know this for sure. Peter tells us again that the day of the Lord, the end of life as humankind has known it for thousands and thousands of years, will end one day. It'll come very suddenly. And the earth and the heavens will be destroyed by fire with a roar. Peter also reminds us that in the last days, there will be a lot of scoffers who will say to people like you and me, who are believers, and as we share the things we're going to learn in this series, and this series is going to give us a platform to speak intelligently about how the world really is going to end. And if, we, if we're smart and if we're diligent and if we say spiritualness, we can use what we're going to learn over the next several weeks to begin and stimulate conversations that will move in a spiritual direction. That's why we're taking the time to do this. There's a method to what we're doing. But right now they're saying, oh, you guys, oh yeah, Jesus is coming again. Oh yeah, the earth is going to be destroyed. That's all that Bible stuff. You're a bunch of idiots. See, but they deliberately forget. Notice the scripture says, they deliberately forget. That long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the, war, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. God's already destroyed life on planet earth once except for Noah and his family. 
So God has the capacity to do it. And given the wrong set of circumstances and the rebelliousness of humankind, God has demonstrated that he will do it. Don't kid yourself. By the same word, Scripture says, verse 7, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of who? Of who? Peter concludes on verse 14, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous. Now, as you contemplate these things today, they don't need to terrify you. They don't need to even alarm you. Because as we're going to learn over the coming weeks, God has made provision for those who love him. We're going to receive communion this morning. And as we receive this communion, let's do so in a spiritual mindset of thanksgiving. That because Jesus came into our world, we just celebrated that at Christmas. Because Jesus came into our world, we don't have to fear the end of this world or the world to come. We don't have to fear it. God has made provision. As our ushers and deacons come, and as they pass the communion trays, Take a cracker first and put it on your lap and then take a cup and hold it until we've all received and we'll partake of this communion together. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 reminds us, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. I don't think any of us would, would argue with that scriptural reality. The God of this world, culture. The God of this world, human philosophy. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers, causing them to think that, that spirituality and even the existence of God and, and the inspiration of the Bible, all of that is a bunch of nonsense. And this whole idea of Armageddon, this whole idea of the Lord's return, this whole idea of this world as we know it perishing by divine design is a bunch of foolishness. Now, they'll buy into the History Channel stuff. But don't put God with it. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4 and 5 says, But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. He's talking to you now. That's who Paul's talking to. That's who the Holy Spirit is talking to him about. He's talking about you. Let me say it again. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Now, what makes us so special? What makes you so special that you don't have to worry about all this stuff? Well, it's not who you are. It's not your character. It's not your integrity. 
It's not anything about you. Now, all of us, we should be aspiring towards living lives of integrity and, and morality and, and ethical decisions and behaviors. And matter of fact, we should be modeling that as people of God. But even if we do that better than most human beings are capable of doing that, that's not going to protect us from what's coming. So how do we know that we don't have to worry about this? What does it say again? It said what? It says, you are all the sons of the light and sons of the day. And he's not speaking gender specific here. John 1.12 says, yet to all received him, Jesus. To those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God, see? God protects his own family. God has made provision for his own family. And there's only one way to become part of God's family, and that's to believe what God has told us about Jesus, that Jesus was his son, that he came to earth and died on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What that means is that if you confess with your mouth, you confess before God that you get it. There is no plan B. It's Jesus and that's it. He is Lord. God has given him the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Here's God's promise. He says, you do that, you will be saved. You'll be saved when the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night and the heavens are destroyed with fire and cease to exist. You'll be okay. You don't have to worry about that. No matter how it comes, no matter when it comes, you don't have to worry about it because God protects his family. And through your faith in Jesus Christ, you have become sons and daughters. And it all comes through Jesus' provision. Jesus left the church with this ceremony that he first shared with his disciples in the upper room on the night of his betrayal. This ceremony to remind us that Jesus is the answer. That Jesus has taken care of everything that needs to be done for us to have eternal life. That night after giving thanks, he took bread and after breaking it, he passed it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he passed it to his disciples. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul adds in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The end is coming. When's it going to happen? I don't know. How's it going to happen? Come back next week. Thank you, Lord, that you have made provision for your family. 
And thank you that you've given every single one of us here an invitation to become part of your family. There's no one excluded from that invitation. No one here, no matter how their life has been lived, you would welcome them as your son, as your daughter, if they will just confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that you raised him from the dead. That's all you ask. Lord, as we study this series, may our hearts not be troubled, may they be comforted in knowing that you have everything in control and that in your time, in your way, you will make all things beautiful again. We praise you for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.